Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Black Girls at the Bar. This week we'll be talking about purpose and passion and what led us to law. Today we're going to talk about our own personal journeys and our own personal ideologies and what led us to wanting to be attorneys. Do you know Black girl in the legal field? But do you really know what it's like? It's going down a path that less than 2% of lawyers experience. We often don't have a seat at the table, so we decided to make our own. We're standing in who we are inside and outside of the courtroom. So take a seat because this is Black Girls at the Bar. Finding where your purpose and your passion intersect. Your purpose is more so, it's going to be something that's more so rooted in like being a service to others. I feel like passion's a little bit more self-explanatory. It's like, oh, that's what gets you up every morning. That's what you're excited to do. And I remember somebody asking me like maybe last year, oh, I'm always conflicted of like, should I follow my purpose or should I follow my passion? And I'm like, well, the cheat code to life, I feel like is when you find where your purpose and your passion intersect and you operate like at that intersection, do y'all feel like you chose either your purpose or your passion or have you found where the two intersect? Hmm. Because I was saying, I feel like I operate out of the intersection, but it's like, I just went through some traumatic things very early on in life. So it helped me find the intersection a lot faster. So I know being at 23, feeling like I found that isn't the norm. That's what I tell people. I'm like, don't compare like me feeling like I'm walking in my purpose and whatever to like your own journey. Cause like, I just have a unique experience. I started therapy at 13. So like, (laughs) it was like fast tracked. Now that you... Now that you asked that question, I feel like I'm thinking a little bit and I wonder if maybe I've conflated purpose and passion simply because like I want to go into criminal defense and I think like I know I'm passionate about advocacy. I'm passionate about helping people, but I wonder if maybe because I've been kind of forced into this position because of my identity, maybe it's, I've become passionate about it because it's something that I do so often. It's something that I do well. Um, And because of that, I think it's my purpose too. And so now I kind of have to think through like this puzzle that you've created in my head and decide if I've conflated those things or if I'm really doing what I'm both passionate about and the thing that is my purpose. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. That completely makes sense. I feel like It's a hard question. It's a good question. I just like, I feel like that I have, I've either found my passion or my intersection of purpose and passion. Because for me, I want to do, and we probably should all say like what we want to do. But um, for me, I want to do corporate law as it intersects with corporate social responsibility. Because eventually I want to move into the nonprofit sector and um, like maybe work at a charitable foundation or a nonprofit and do um legal work there and so I feel like I may have found my like purpose intersecting with my passion because I'm really passionate about like holding corporations responsible and multi-sector change because I think I think it's one of the ways that we can actually get things done because corporations have money and money makes the world go round unfortunately and then policy is like actual tangible programs that will create change and so are nonprofits. and so I think like working with all of them makes it work and so at like a big law firm, I was so confused for so long about what I wanted to do because nothing worked. Like I remember I went into my SEO interview and I said, I want, what does Olivia Pope do? I was like, I want to do, um, she's like a, she's a PR, I think. 
it's like strategic and there's but there's some firms that do it it's like strategic something strategic crisis management i did not get seo the first time i applied thank god i deferred and then i did seo law is like a program where you like go the summer before school like to a, a really good program i didn't know about it when i was applying really yeah it's a, it actually is a really helpful program but I like didn't get it the first time I was also interviewing like right after COVID and I hit and I had to figure out zoom three days after COVID and I had never done it before. So I logged on 30 minutes late to my interview because I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I said I wanted to do crisis management or like um, public finance because both of those had some like outward facing entity to it and I realized later that I wanted to do like corporate governance, which has like board management. And I want to do board management because you can get really good connections, really understand how a board works and how a company works. And that applies to other things. So long story short, I want to do my purpose and passion because it's nonprofit or at least social responsibility oriented. But at the same time, I don't know if that's my purpose long-term. I feel like I may have like some other purpose that's more entrepreneurial. There's a theory and like, I just haven't, my purpose hasn't personally shifted yet. So like, I can't say like I went through it, but yeah. I remember watching this speech that Chadwick Bozeman had said, he basically was talking about how different chapters of your life can call you for different purposes. And yeah. so it's like, once you fulfill your purpose in something else, your purpose could change. But the way that I think of it is like, and like talking about the puzzle piece that like Ronell was saying, like it presented in her brain, the way I think of it is like, I would say, and that's the other thing. I like launched a journal. I need to make content about that too, but I launched a journal because like the way I discovered all this stuff was through journaling. And so it's like, now I can tell people like, oh, this is my purpose and this is what I'm passionate about. But the way I say it is like, my purpose is to be an advocate for others and help push the needle closer towards equity in the world. That's what I feel like my purpose is. My passion though is art and like TV and film and music and just everything that we interact with on a day-to-day basis that just makes the world like prettier, like evokes emotions, like different forms of art. But my purpose isn't to be an artist myself. Like that's not to say, like you said, one day, maybe I will want to share my own art, but it's just like my purpose right now isn't to do that. But where they intersect is to be an entertainment attorney where it's like now I learn the business and I advocate for other artists. And then it's like I knew like my purpose was to be an advocate for others like a while ago. But I first thought that it would be like through politics. And so when I was at Howard, I interned on Capitol Hill and I was like, oh, this is cool. But there was no like passion underlying that. You talk about something and your eyes light up and you're like, this is what I care about. And so that's when I was like, this just isn't, I, I this isn't what I'm supposed to do, nor am I supposed to be like one of the attorneys that's like, you just look at contracts all day. Like you're not outward facing, you don't interact with clients. There's no relationship component to it. I want to do talent representation with a focus on minorities and women. And eventually I want to have my own production company. And so that ties into like, all of the things that I cared about, but still like providing a platform for advocacy and or pushing like stories across the black diaspora that aren't just rooted in trauma, 
initially I always struggled with like I've been a person that I was like everyone's like, okay what are you going to do how do you see your life and I say I see myself being a successful lawyer and that's it like nothing else really drove that and um I think that's you know I don't I don't, I don't know what drives it but like me just being successful me being fulfilled in my career was one so I always had a journey of like finding out what I would like to do long term and now that I'm, we're in the career, we know that at any point you can pivot. If you don't like what you do, you can change. But I wanted to figure out like what I like. So I would say like throughout my working career, I really liked management. I like, I always like strive to be at the top. I want to be a manager. I want to be a shift leader, a supervisor, whatever I could do. Like, I just like control. I don't really want people telling me what to do, make my schedule. I knew that if I worked my butt off, I could be the person that makes everybody's schedule. That was just how I always worked. So like when I was working at a salon, I literally moved up to manager like a year and a half and I made my own schedule. And I was like, okay, I don't have to ask anyone for time off. I can make my own time and be on my own time. And that's kind of like how I moved. So I want to do labor and employment litigation. And um, I just one big part too and that's like one reason something I'm still kind of struggling with is that I feel like as a black woman as a black person we've kind of talked about this but I feel kind of like obligated to do some sort of like advocacy or some sort of like I want to help black people I want to help people and that's just not like what I want to do I actually want to be like employer side which makes it like even more terrible and like when I was at Microsoft you know I was the only black person in litigation to all together and you know when you're dealing with race issues and things like that it's like okay like I really feel like I'm a sellout right now but I do think that in those spaces you still have to have that visibility because you still need your own perspective and your own journey to kind of it still shows in your work regardless your perspective and how you think still shows in what you do and I realized that okay I love this supervisor mentality I love labor and employment litigation and there's so many roles that do counseling and that do um, like services of that nature, you know, come look at this handbook for me, come look at this, this is problematic for me, do you like this, yes, no. So in the litigation piece, I love, you know, settling, I love talking to people, I love, you know, we're kind of talking, what can we do, how do you feel, because, you know, when you're in really big companies, you settle way more than you actually go to court. So it's more so like problem solving, where do we go wrong? What do you want out of this? Do you just want money? Do you want this to be fixed? Do you want your position to be changed? And then it's more people facing too. So you're not super removed from everyone. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with regular life activities like work. And I loved that in you know my career. I love that passion of being a manager, dealing with, you know, the higher ups and supervisors and things like that, and kind of like fixing the problems. Like I redid my works handbook for no reason. Like I just wanted to do it. So I was like, the fact that I can find like a job, I can do that and supervise people and help. I think that that's why. And like every time like I do like labor and employment work, like I love it because it's, it's just natural to me. It's something that I like to do and that I can, you know, learn more about and just do so in passion wise I think that that is where my intersect comes from because my personality is just to be that person in general so it's just like why not just get paid for it and why not find something that I can do and of course like I think employment law too there's just so many caveats of where you can kind of change what you want to do and figure out different things to do so I think in intersecting I think that's where mine falls 
I think you touched on something that's really important. I think we should talk about it a little bit more because I don't think people realize that there's a like if you want to fight for racial justice, if you want to be that person, then there I was is about to say this. Yeah, there's a lens for that in literally every single industry. And so I know Dom was talking about how um, there's a need for racial justice in the entertainment industry. And I would have never thought about that until she talked about it. And I feel like a lot of us go into law school and so many people are telling or so many people are expecting us to become criminal defense attorneys and public defenders and things like that, because it's so obvious that in the criminal justice system, there is a need for racial justice because it's built on white supremacy. But people don't see all of these other places where there's a need for black people, where there's a need for people that look like us in the room. Even when I was I was at so we had a conference for our Black Lawsuits Association last weekend and we had former Attorney General Eric Holder and he was talking about how in any capacity like not everyone's going to go into public interest work not everyone's going to be like on the front lines advocating but I mean he was in um you know a U.S. Attorney General and now he's at a big law firm doing racial equity audits but you have to find a way to like be a public servant in every single capacity and that's what he talked a lot about because like even if you're in big law even if you're in a corporation as like in-house counsel you can still be like a public service advocate and like make sure that one they're paying attention to racial equity issues that your company is being held accountable like there's so much that you can do that still is advocacy work but maybe not always directly related to what you're doing or like in your day-to-day it's just like something that comes up and you make sure you're a voice when it happens also something that you said earlier you said money makes the world go around unfortunately and if we're not doing public service we're in these positions that are going to make us a whole lot of money and we can use that to put it back into our communities which i think is really important the other side to it is like if all black people go into public service who's controlling the money yeah and that's my biggest thing about like um litigation is like litigation is so like most black people do go into litigation and very few black people are in corporate law and like that's where MA is happening that's where these big deals are happening and the money is like all like that's the money generating side of most firms deals are happening like twice a week or something like that you're only settling or doing litigation like litigate i don't know i'm not very good at litigation not not very not very regular at all especially in like businesses and corporate settings so it's like nine times out of ten you're settling you're not going to trial you're not actually litigating yeah and i've talked to other black women attorneys about this too they will want to pay you a much lower rate than they will pay somebody else and it's like they'll go somewhere else and pay a twenty thousand dollar retainer but then when you tell them 15 they're like can you do 10 no the, the retainers within our own community we do that yes to that's what i'm saying black people do that they will go to someone outside the community and pay double but when they come to you they expect a discount they expect it to be more affordable and it's like yeah i understand that there is a need for that not to say like there is a need for more affordable legal services and that's why so many people go into public like it's all needed but it's just like the pure fact that you would pay somebody else that doesn't like that's not black and a woman double what you're trying to pay me doesn't boil down to your financial need anymore because you have the money to pay. You just want to see if I'm going to accept less. So on a different note, do you think that or actually kind of related? Do you think that money played a big role into what you decided to do or where? Like, uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's be real. Let's be real. Oh, oh, if money did not, I would be a public defender. Like I, it would not for me, but the thing is everyone's different. Like everyone, I think when you're in law school, everyone needs to sit down and be like, what is most important for what you're getting out of this, what you're getting out of your career. For me, the trauma I'm going through right now is not enough for me to go into public interest. That's just personally my opinion. And, but the thing is, is that like Howard is filled with people going into public interest. It's literally more than half of us and people come in for something that they want. Like I literally changed my mind once we, once I found out how much they made, I was like, Oh no, like it literally didn't do it for me. And it's because like, I was just like, there's just no way I could even fathom going through and doing all that, especially like for what I'm making. And on top of that, like working at Microsoft, working at other places, like I really liked, you know, the company side. I love being in a firm. I love that aura of how that felt so I was like okay no look I like I like this a little bit more but like 100% like I think for me a big drive is the money and I just know like we're gonna be working so hard and I know I think I think Ronald you should go right after me since you're like the opposite side but for me I was like regardless of what attorneys do you're gonna be doing so much work public defenders work their ass off work their ass off so it's like for me I'm not doing all that work I'm not making or I'm, I'm gonna gonna be struggling especially with like all these loans like I think that if I went in with like nothing and I had like a full ride I have I'm not paying a lot but I have a full if I had a full ride and I was like okay like I'm doing this just for whatever then maybe it would be different but I was just like no for me absolutely not yeah, I mean, I definitely think about money as well, which is why it's funny that you said that, Ayana, you're like, you're on the opposite side. But I, I do think about money, which is why the likelihood of me being a, a criminal defense attorney at the public defender's office and not a firm is really slim. I was at a firm last summer. I'm going back to the same firm this summer because like I think about money and the thought of going through seven years of school and having my parents make all of those sacrifices for me to not even be able to pay for their bills because I'm still struggling is just not, the thought of that is unfathomable. And so um, I'm still going to be a, a criminal defense attorney, but at the same time, like I'm still thinking about money. Um, But I'll still be able to like, I'll be that person in my community, I'll be that resource that people can use to come to if they have questions about criminal law and charges that they have and things like that. Um, Keeping in mind the fact that answering too many questions might create an attorney client relationship, but then I get myself in trouble. However, I still want to be be that person. And so I think I can still do that even if I go to a firm. And that doesn't mean that I can't take pro bono cases and things like that. Um, so yeah, it, criminal defense does in general pay a little less than, um, other industries anyways, but yeah, the likelihood of me going into public service and not being at a firm is really low because of money. Did you ever start wanting to do public interest and you decided, and then you found out how much they made and then you changed your mind or how did you figure out like where you wanted to be? So what happened was I always wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. That's what brought me to law school. Um, But when I came to law school, I noticed that people kind of assumed that I was going to be a public defender and I didn't understand why. And then I realized that it's because, you know, you're working with indigenous populations and um, things like that. And so like I looked into it a little bit and I realized that the disparity in pay is outrageous. And in New Hampshire, we're making like public defenders here make a little bit more than they make in other states. And the program here are supposed to be good but even then they're not making a lot of money and so I just looking at all of that I kind of decided that 
it would be best for me to go to a firm. Not only that, but if you work in public interest, you have to be a lot more careful about what you're saying publicly in terms of like politics and things like that. And I'm a community organizer. Like I can't risk not being able to say what I want to say when politicians have me fucked up. So um, yeah, all of those things kind of went into my decision. And I still like ponder the idea of going into public interest, but the chances of it now are really, really low because I know what I know now. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I think we're saying money, but also the way to rephrase that is financial freedom. The financial freedom part is what I really value, even from a child's perspective. And I know I want to have children one day. It's like, I want to be able to give my kids what my parents have been able to give me. But I I hate the perspective of like, we're in it for money. I'm like, we're in it for financial freedom. And I do think holistically, Black people deserve to be achieving financial freedom. We should not feel guilty for pursuing careers that will give this opportunity to us and all of our future kids. Like, that's just the way I think of it. So I like how you reframe the conversation and put it in terms of financial freedom because I've never lived comfortably. And the closest I've ever gotten to working comfortably was last summer when I was doing my summer associate position. And so I was always that kid growing up where I would come home to I would come home to like empty refrigerators and eviction notices and things like that. And then I got to college and it was kind of the same thing. Like I didn't always have things to eat and I wasn't on a meal plan and I barely had money to pay my rent. And so when I was working my summer associate position, I finally knew where my rent was coming from. I finally could pay my bills on time and things like that. And I wasn't like living above my my means. Like I was never doing that, but I was also never comfortable. And last summer was the first time in my life where I ever got even close to that. And so the fact that that can be my life for the rest of my life is very attractive to me. And I hate that I feel guilty about that sometimes. I hate it. I don't think you should feel guilty about that because like the way you phrased it, financial freedom, we could talk about that for like an entire episode on itself. Yeah, we have Miss Budget and Finance right here. That's about to get into it. On the list is finances in law school. So that's Yeah, we need to do finances in law school. Because like, you shouldn't feel guilty about it because like so many people who want to do PI work, especially not people who are color or black people, have parents who are lawyers or parents who are living very comfortably and can foot the bill for some of their life as they're transitioning into public interest or even clerkships for that matter. Like people have money for clerkships. Like I don't have money to go and take a 50K job right now. I'm sorry. Like that just, uh, these loans, either the loans aren't getting paid or my food's not getting paid. Like one of them is going to have to go if I take that type of job right now. And so I don't think you sh- anyone should feel guilty about, you know, wanting financial freedom because that's the goal. Like I don't think I came to law school for financial free. I don't think I came to law school for money, period. Like, I didn't even know how much big law attorneys made until I was submitting applications. And I was like, oh, not my advocacy application. Um, Looking real scary next to this, um, next to this salary. But like 250K sounded insane to me. Like my parents never made that kind of money. And I was just like, 250K, like starting And so I was like, I'll do whatever, like, if I have to do that to start my career and then move into something else, that's fine. So yeah, financial freedom is a way better way of saying it. Cause like, that's at the end of the day, like, that's all we want. I'll say that my story is very similar to like Dominique. I grew up, I went to private school every, uh, up until high school. And I was literally just so like, I could make friends because I was very quiet. And 
Um, I really, until I got to public school, like I had a very skewed sense of like how life worked and how life was. Like when you go to private school, everyone that you're around, like has big houses, they have money, they have to have money to go to private school. And it really was like a shock when I went to public school and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, are struggling in life. And I then realized, and that's, of course, I'm coming into like, you know, my adulthood and realizing like how much life really cost I'm like the life that I've had was very privileged very 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 privileged and then like you know at that point you know what you know your parents did for school like my family my parents have doctorates and like knowing how hard they had to work how long they went to school to get doctorates it was just like you know I don't want to struggle and that that was like a really 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 big thing like we as you know lawyers with loans and with so many other things that we have to do we have to make a decent amount of money to have some financial freedom so i always strive to make as much as i could so i could have as much set aside like save for my kids like i always said if my kids wanted to go to law school i want to be able to pay for all of it i want to be able to literally wow. give them everything until they are set and then on the back end, they don't have no loans. They have to pay for nothing. And I was like, you know how hard I'm going to have to work? How much money I'm going to have to make to make that happen? My dad said the same exact thing because my parents, like, they had the same experience. And it's like, I used to feel, because I left private school and went to public school too. And it just is like, it's like such a weird experience sometimes because people can get so judgy. And it's like, they'll see you and they'll meet you. And they they just know, like, where you live what kind of car your parents drive and like they don't really know anything about you but then it started like breeding this like feeling of guilt of like oh I feel guilty because this is the life I lived and I know like other people live differently so then I started to like not tell people things or like I wouldn't tell people like maybe I just say my dad's a lawyer I wouldn't say he had his own firm and then it's like coming into adulthood I was like wait but like that discredits all the work that my parents did to get to the point where they're at because my mom tells me this all the time like she's like I live vicariously through you like the things you're doing I didn't even know were possible at your age and like me and your dad in the black community there's so much guilt that surrounds it when people start achieving success so I totally get where you're coming from like feeling guilty that you want that and even I feel like guilty now that like I had the experience of growing up and my parents were able to do that. But it's like, we got to try to eradicate the guilt that comes with it. Cause it's like, we deserve those things. We shouldn't feel guilty for it. And it's like, as long as we're not being elitist and like all we're, we all talked about how we want to help other people with money we make and all this stuff, like we should have our financial freedom. But I feel like there's just so much there's so many opinions about the fact that like because we're black we are supposed to struggle or we're supposed to give all of our money to someone else to help them when it's like okay this is a lot like I think that there's room for both to kind of be there and both places to kind of flourish at the same time like two things can be true at once you can do multiple things and like law school really made it evident how many people feel bad about you know not going into public interest, not helping, not doing anything like that. Like I hear all the time. I'm just like, I, I feel bad in a sense, but I don't feel bad that this is what I'm doing with my life. Because like, if you look at the financial freedom, there is a clear bright line difference between the two. And it's like you, 
in a sense, you can do, you know, what Ronell is doing and you can kind of pick the best of both. But then in some spaces, wherever you want to do, sometimes you just can't. And it's not bad to say that I want money. I want I want to be comfortable. I don't want to have to live paycheck to paycheck. That's not, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty for wanting to feel that, especially when you're literally giving your blood, sweat, tears in life to law school for three years. Like it, it's insane. So many people ask me about my internship I had last summer and I'm just like, even when I was there, I was like, I am such like a rare anomaly right now because I'm a black and a woman. It's already rare for me to be here, but I also was in a financial, pri- financially privileged position to accept a job that paid me $15 an hour in LA. And my dad was just like, I had, I had family I could stay with. So I, I stayed with my aunt, but my dad was like, I rented you a car. Like I can pay for your gas, like whatever money you make. It's not a lot, but like, you can have it and go experience like LA and like go out to dinners and stuff. So it's like, that is a gift. And I just feel like holistically as a community, we haven't had that history. Like there's some families that have had it for a couple of generations. Like it exists. But it's like it's not the norm that like little black kids can just dream that big and our parents are able to like sustain that level of like financial burden. I want to be able to give that to my kids also just because it's like that's not something that I take ever lightly and it's like that's a gift to be given that. And I think more little black and brown children should be given the opportunity, no matter what you want to do, whenever we have our own set of kids and stuff, it's like we are working hard now in our early 20s to lay the groundwork that our kids, when they come to us and say, oh, I want to do this, but like, I need you to cover my rent for three extra years. We can be like, okay, like we can afford to do that for you. I hope my future kids are like Dom and Ayana and they can sit here and talk about the sacrifices I made and the struggles that I went through to make <laughs> sure that they had a good life because I tell my parents that all the time and like I don't fault them for obviously the position that they're in but when I work this hard I always talk about how one day I want to make sure that my kid is not worrying about where their tuition money is going to come from if they have a balance to pay or if they're in school and they're working towards the master's degree or they want to go to law school, then their rent is paid for and things like that. So I hope that that's my future. I grew up, I guess, knowing about the nuance. So I never got to like, oh, this is just how everyone lives. It's like, no, this is how we live because me and your dad did this, this and that. We live this life now, but don't forget where we came from. Mm -hmm. Even far back, like my mom was the mom that had us like, on underground railroad tours and I'm like I'm eight years old but my mom was like it was very important for me that you knew your history and not even where your personal family came from but just like holistically like where we came from and like where we're at now and like you understand like how special it is that we are like able to reach this opportunity to make this money and one pour back into our communities but also live a life that our ancestors like our sisters were slaves. They were never thinking about going to big law lunches and with the partners and like, and it's like, okay, like there's a proudness that comes from that. And the fact that like, oh, we all stand on the shoulders of giants that came before, but it's like without all those people, we wouldn't have the chance to do all the things we're doing. Yeah. When it comes to the bottom line, like the fact that we can even just pursue our passions is mm-hmm. really like, it's a privilege. It's a privilege that we don't even like, we take for granted sometimes. Like our ancestors didn't even get to think about having a passion. 
And we're thinking about like our passion, our purpose, where we want to go, what we want to do. Like that's so much privilege in that. And like very grateful for that. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Black Girls at the Bar and stay tuned for more episodes soon.